Nebuchadnezzar represents a Christian in more ways than we can imagine. But in the end, we know that Nebuchadnezzar, he did not get saved. So many of the Christians that you see today worship God or don't worship God the very same way that Nebuchadnezzar. And even some of us do a worse job than Nebuchadnezzar did. But he, he did not get saved. So this is the second encounter. And last week I told you that he set up one of the grandest, biggest selfie in the world. History have ever recorded this golden image that everyone was bowing down to. So everyone was worshiping this idol. Everyone's attention was on how many of you have flipped through your Instagram and then see an Im image of someone's beautiful. And then you just about to double tap on the image. For those of you who don't know, that means you like it. And then you think, I look better. And then you observe this pose. And then you go, hmm, okay, let me try that. So you, you pull out your phone and you, you try the same pose. And then in some awkward way, you post that one up and see if you get more hearts than the other image. No? None of you ever did? What if it was me? How many hearts did I get? See, we have a natural tendency to want people to like us. It's nothing wrong. Do you want people to like you? Yeah, we all want people to like us. We want people to look at our image and say, wow, she's cute. And when we hear that, we go, that just made my day. Thank you. Just make sure you like my image. We like that. We like the fact that people like us. We want to be impressionable. We want people to, to adore us, to like us. And you know, what is that called? When you like someone to like you. That is, in its simplest form, worship. When you desire someone to like you, what you are saying is that you like them to worship you. It's the simplest form of worship. And that's exactly what Nebuchadnezzar did. He set up this image. It's probably not him as a statue, but he wants people, when they hear the sound, when they hear the voice, what they do? They bow down and worship the statue. Why? What does that do for Nebuchadnezzar? It gives him pleasure. Because why? The story tells you that it is the image that Nebuchadnezzar set up. It's something that he did. Just like the way that you take the image of yourself or your image is something that belongs to you. And if someone likes it, you like it. If someone enjoys it, you like it. And that is worship. We want people to worship us. It sounds very, very hard to take, but that's in essence what it is. When you worship God, that's what you do. Were you saying that God is worthy of my praise? God is worthy that I would say how beautiful. Have you sing the song and you say, beautiful are you. We adore, we, we worship. And Nebuchadnezzar, in a way, he encountered God's glory. What did he do? He fell down and he worshiped. And then he realized, hey, wait a minute. I'm king. People should worship me because I'm king. So he set up this image and he wants people to, to worship him. How many of you want people to worship you? No one. Well, at least not here when I ask. But how many of you, think about this. How many of you have something that you made? A drawing, a creation, and then you made it and people like it a lot. How does it feel? It feels good, doesn't it? That's the form of worship. What happened 
when people don't worship. Imagine thousands of people fall down in worship. And then there are these three guys, young men, who just stood there and didn't bow, bow down. So all the people were bowing down and they go, wait a minute, why aren't those three guys bow down to the image? Why would they care? You would ask. Why would they care? Thousands of people already bow down to the image. Why would they care that three young men did not bow down to the image? Why would they care? If it were happening today, everyone in the church worshiping God, and then there's just one person just stood there. Would you care? Yeah, you would care. You would pay attention. What's going on? Am I doing something wrong? What's happening here? There's something that's not right with this picture. Why is everybody doing this? And then those three guys are not doing the same thing. There are thousands of people falling down and, and worship the image. But three persons shouldn't make any difference. But yet, it made all the difference to this story. Because those three men who did not bow down to worship the image, it changed the whole story. This whole story changed because of those three men who did not fall down and worship. Think about this. It's very easy for Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they hear the, the sound, bow down and worship. Look like everyone else. It's very simple. I'll go home and I will repent to God later. It's easier, isn't it? I'll just go ahead and do this thing now, and then I'll go back home later and then repent. Don't tell me you never thought about that. Have you thought of Yes, you have thought about it. When your friends want to do something bad and you know it's not right with God, you say, okay, I'll just gonna not, I'll, I'll, I will save a place so that I can witness to them later by just joining with them now and go home and repent. You know, sorry God for, you know, doing that drug or drinking, making a fool of myself. And then I go home and I repent later. How many of you have thought about that? I think I have thought about it. How many of you have gone through with it? I have gone through with it. But you realize something happened here. The fact that they didn't go through with it. Did they think about it? I don't know. Maybe it's so tempting, right? All you have to do. Now, Nebuchadnezzar went to them and said, all you have to do, you don't have to say anything. All you have to do when you hear the, the music, you don't have to play the music. When you hear the music, you hear the sound, all you have to do is bow down. Right? All you have to do is bow down. That's all that you have to do. And it's so tempting to a lot of us. All you have to do is blend in. All you have to do is do what they are all doing. It's very tempting. It's very easy. But Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were servants of God. And they say, we cannot do it. We can't do it. Will you stand for what you believe in? And when all of the people around you do something that you know is not right with God, you will stand by yourself if you have to and say, I will not bow down. I will not join in. And these three Hebrew children, that's what they did. They did not bow down. Remember when the, the devil took Jesus up onto the mountain. And the devil says, all you have to do, Jesus, this is all you have to do. No need for the cross. No need for the tomb, no need for the 12 disciples and Judas, no need for all those things. All you have to do is what? Bow down and worship me. That's all you have to do. That's all that we ever need to do is to bow down 
to the gods of this world. All that we ever have to do is to blend in. But it takes so much more for us to say, no, I will not bow down, like the three Hebrew children. And what happened to them? Because they, they knew what they can see and what they can't see. So the Hebrew children saw something that no one else see. You know what they saw? They saw the lake of fire. Everyone else saw what? The image of gold. The Hebrew children saw the lake of fire. Wait, wasn't there also the furnace of fire? Yes, but the furnace of fire in comparison to the lake of fire, it's nothing. They saw the lake of fire. Do we see, do you see the lake of fire? Their testimony is that this fire, this furnace of fire cannot consume everyone here. Everyone that's around them that's worshiping this image. But what they saw was they saw the lake of fire that could destroy everyone. And so their responsibility standing there in front of the statue is to tell them, you know what? We are going to tell you that if we do bow down to that image, everyone here will not hear the testimony and will not escape this lake of fire that is hotter than that fiery furnace. That's their testimony. That should be your testimony. If you join with the people, with those that are going down into the lake of fire, you're not telling them that there is a lake of fire. So what they have to do, they have to be witness to the people. I'll show you what happened when men go into fire. What happened when men go into fire? Yeah, they burn. What happened when men go into the fire and inside that fire, there's God? They live. Yes, they live. That's your testimony. So the witness is this. The children of Israel, they say no to Nebuchadnezzar for what reason? What did, why did they say no to Nebuchadnezzar? So that they would be thrown into the lake of fire to be a witness. You see, when you say no to this world, when you, you say no to your friend, then what will await you? The fiery furnace. Why do people care about these three children? Because they are so self-aware. When you stand up for God, they will say, why is she standing up for God? When you stand up for God, even when you stand alone by yourself, people will question, why is this person dare to go against everyone else and stood for God? Why is it important? And it makes them think. And then after they think, it makes them nervous. And after they get nervous, it makes them angry. And after they get angry, they'll do bad things to you. But this is what Jesus already said. It's not easy to enter into the kingdom of God. It's not that we enter into the kingdom of God alone. It is that we take other people to the kingdom of God. I'm sure what happened here on that day changed everything. Daniel chapter 3, verse 16. Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this manner. They're saying this. You know what? We are not going to use careful words. We're not going to tell you things that uh, would save our butts. We're just going to tell you what is real. And this is what we're going to tell you. We're not going to bow down to you. Period. That's it. We are not going to bow down to you. It's very simple. When your friend comes to you and say, you know what? Have a drink. We all drink. It's okay. You're not going to get intoxicated. Have a drink. And then you say, uh, you know what? You know, um, I, I, alcohol just doesn't fit me. Say, so, okay, well, try something else. 
How about, how about some, some other things? How about, how about wine instead of liquor? How about this instead of that? How about just a cocktail? And you say, uh, well, you know, I'm allergic to grapes. All right, we'll try something. When you leave room, when you cater your words so that you please everyone, there's no end to the kind of temptation that will come to you. What you need to do is what these Hebrew children did. We are not going to bow down to you regardless of what you say or what you do, period. If you come to your friend and you say, I am not going to drink because I am a Christian, because I cannot control myself once I drink, and then not being able to control myself because I'm drunk is contrary. It is not a good testimony to my faith. It's not that God is against drinking. It's because drinking will cause you to lose control of yourself if you drink excessively. How do you know if you can control yourself? How do you know if you control yourself, you can't control yourself if you give yourself something to lessen that control? It's just simple logic. I am a Christian and I don't do these things. There's nothing else. There's nothing else to say. There's no other reason I should give you because once you give a reason, besides the reason that you only worship God and serve God alone, they will come up with other reasons why you should do it. So the, the thing that you should be aware of is what, how they answer the king. And they say to the king, we're not going to be careful to answer you. We're not going to give you any excuses. We're not going to give you any reasons besides the fact that we cannot do this. It's against God and we cannot do it. And that's it. And then they say, be it so, our God whom we serve. And this is their testimony. The God that we serve can deliver us, O king. Did you know that God is powerful? We all know that God's powerful. Does Nebuchadnezzar know that God is powerful? Yeah, he also knows that God's powerful. So what difference does it make? What difference does it make when you say, well, I can't do this because I'm in violation to God's law. And the people said, yeah, we know. Everyone knows who God is. But the difference between people who know God and not worship God, and you know God and worship God, is who belongs to God. Will you know God? People know God. People know God, they disobey God, is different than you know God and you obey God. Very different. Nebuchadnezzar knew God, but he did not worship God. God's servants are those who knows Him and worship Him. That is a very big difference. People will come and tell you that, yeah, I know God too, but it's okay, I drink. Well, you can come and tell them, I know God, but I won't because I fear Him and I worship Him, and it's wrong. I don't want to do things in contrary to what God wants. Very different. One is a Christian, the other one is not. If you are a Christian, then you worship God and you obey God. Be it so, but here, here is the part that differentiates a lot of Christians today. Be it so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us out of your hands. How will God deliver the Hebrew children from Nebuchadnezzar's hand? How? Think about it. The only way that Nebuchadnezzar would not be able to touch them, this is where your imagination should start kicking in. Read the text and realize this. The only way Nebuchadnezzar could not touch the Hebrew children is that they would be thrown in the fire. Listen, Nebuchadnezzar was so full of fury, 
and form of his visage, meaning his image, was changed against Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace, how many times? Seven times. More than that, it won't to be heated. And he commanded most mighty men of his army to bind up Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the furnace fire. And these men that were bound in their coats, their hosen, and their hats, and their other guard, oh wow, they wear hats. And they were cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent, the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire slew the men that took Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So he commanded the furnace to get heated up seven times more. And then he commanded the baddest guys of his armies to bind up Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Their coats, their hats, they wear hats. Wow, they wear hats. So they bound them and then those men threw them into the burning furnace. And then what happened to the men that threw them into the burning furnace? They, they die. Yes, they can't even come close to the furnace. So the only way that Nebuchadnezzar would not be able to touch these Hebrew children was that God would put them where he can't touch them, where he can't come near the burning fire. What they said was prophetic. They knew that the king would not touch them. And the only way for the king to not touch them was that fire, that the king could not come close. For you to be able to be delivered by God, you have to be separated from those that want to harm you. And the only way for you to do that is into the burning fire, into the furnace. Verse 18, and here's the testimony. But if not, so they're telling the king, if God does not deliver us. This is a very different gospel, a very different Christian doctrine than what you're used to or what you hear today. What you hear today is, God is powerful, God is mighty, He would deliver me, watch and see. That's the gospel that you hear today. That God is powerful, He's mighty, He's my God, He would deliver me. Just watch and see, He would deliver me. Wait and see, He will give me a job. Wait and see, I will pass this test. Wait and see, things will get better. This is all gospel, but this is not what's written in the Bible. This is the testimony. O king, if God does not deliver us, know this, we still won't bow down to you. This is our God. He is God. We are his servant. He does what he wants to. And this is your witness. Your witness is not God is powerful and he will protect us. No. Your witness is this, I am God's servant, and if I would die, I would die. He does what he wants to with me. This is a very different image of a Christian than one that you're used to, one that you hear, because when I'm saying this, it sounds strange to your ears because it's not what you're used to. God is my God, and therefore he has to deliver me. No, he doesn't have to deliver you if he's God. If he's God, he does what he wants to, if he's God. He does what he wants to. And if you are servant, you get what you deserve. It's not what you want to deserve, what you deserve. But thank God we have a good God. We have a merciful God. We have a loving God. This is your witness. If God does not deliver me, I still believe in him. If God does not deliver, if God does not rescue me, if God lets me burn in the furnace fire, so be it. Is that your witness? Is that your testimony? Will that be your testimony? That is something very different. That is something very powerful if that is your witness. If I die, I'm willing to because God is my God and I'm his servant. 
that is your witness. It's a very different witness. And it's a powerful witness if you can come to a place where you realize that God is not your servant. You are his servant. And he does what he wants. And he said, But if not, be it known to thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. The answer is still the same. God can deliver. God is mighty. If he doesn't deliver, we still won't bow down to you. We still won't serve your God. Would that be your witness? Would that be your testimony? Only three people, only three people out of thousands of people who dare to defy the king and say, there's someone here that is bigger, that is stronger, that's more mighty, that's more powerful than you, O king. And we will serve him. Even if he slay us, we still serve him. Nothing will change that. Is that your testimony? Is your Christian faith that kind? Then the kind that says, God will deliver us, watch and see. The truth is very unpopular. When you say that, don't think that they will let you go. The truth is unpopular. When you stand for God, what happens? They will say, how dare you? How dare you? Do you think that you're better than us? Do you think that you're more holy than us? Do you think that because you don't do these things that we do, you're better than us? That's what the world will say. And what they want to do to you, they want to isolate you, they want to put you away, they want to shut you up, they want to lock you away so that they can continue to worship this image that someone else has set up. Let's say if you want to shut down your, I'm not saying that you should do this, but maybe you should consider, shut down your Facebook profile. Let's just say that you did it because you believe it's more helpful for you in your walk with God. And your friend come to you and they ask you, why did you do it? And you say, my life on Facebook is not helpful for my Christian walk. So I shut it down because of my God. I'm devoted to him. What do you think that your friend would do? First, they're going to say, is this bad? Second, they're going to say, you think you're better than me? When you do things that are contrary to what people are used to, when people know that they need to change, they don't like it. And they do everything in their power to shut you off. They will say, you know what? That person has something wrong. And they will post it on their Facebook feed. They will deride you. They will make a mockery out of you. They will make you ashamed. But it's okay. You're not on there anymore. Your testimony for God is not just believe in Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Your testimony to God is this. Do whatever you want to do with me. I still believe in God. It doesn't matter what happened to me. I still believe in God. That is your testimony. Father, we thank you for your life in each one of us. Lord, I know it's difficult for us to live, especially in this time. It's difficult to look at all the things that are happening around us. We are guided, we are moved, we are coerced by popular beliefs and cultures and all these trends and fads. Father, help us. Help us to close our eyes and our ears to the noise that's around us, to all the visual effects that comes into our path. And allow us, Lord God, to focus on you, to see the one thing that's truly magnificent, the glory of our God. And that we would reserve these knees, we would reserve this heart, we would reserve these hands to worship you and you alone and no one else. We will not bow down. We will not succumb. We will not give in to any other images out there besides you. Help us, Lord. 
help the church to realize that our greatest witness is that we are your servant, that you are a merciful God and we are willing and we trust that as we yield our life and our faith to you and even in death, you are faithful and just to be able to resurrect us even in the midst of the fire. So we thank you, Lord God, that we do not serve a God who is not able to save, but we also serve a God who is wise, infinitely more gracious than we can ever think. And whatever our hearts and our minds can come up with, you are greater. So we thank you, Lord. Help raise up a generation that really loves you and serve you and give their lives willingly for you. In the name of Jesus, we pray.